0: Uh, So we're in the fifth chapter, uh, and uh, last time we looked at the beginning of the fifth chapter, okay? Uh, And uh, remember we talked about overcoming the world, we saw that disturbing animation, that disturbing video that really depicts so much of the isolation and alienation of uh, the world that we live in, and we talked about how Yeshua is the answer. Yeshua is the answer to that. That is Overcoming the world is not the latest version of the iPhone, right? That's like the problem, as, uh, as we saw there, or the latest version of anything, uh, 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 frankly. You know, it, um, um, I, I guess when we showed that, I should have said this then, but one of the things you learn from something like that is technology is not the answer, right? Technology... I uh, does not uh, it may make things easier for us, better, I don't know, you know, but definitely easier uh, for us and also very much much more isolated, way, way more isolated than, uh, than ever before. Uh, and uh, when we um, uh, do what we read here at the beginning of John 5, Uh, when it says right at the beginning, whoever believes that Yeshua is the Messiah is born of God, and whoever loves the Father uh, loves the child born of Him. Uh, And then, of course, it says, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and observe His commandments. Then again, he still is talking about love. This is the love of God that we keep His commandments and His commandments are not burdensome. Right? So we talked about that, but what, the, what, what is fascinating about that is the, uh, the, the Torah uh, and the way of life that we have in the Messiah is the opposite of the alienation of this world. Uh, when you read the Torah, when you read, uh, 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 you know, love your neighbor as yourself, and then you read the B'rit and the way we're supposed to live that out, Uh, It's all about relationship, not isolation. It's all about it's like the opposite, and it's about caring for one another and bearing people's burdens. The opposite of what we saw in that in that video, and that is, in a way, that is what is overcoming the world uh, by uh, living the Bible way. But then we notice that it says here uh, in verse uh, four. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our our faith. And and who is the one who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Yeshua is the Son of God. So the one, if if you follow uh, uh, what he says, the one who is born of God lives this way. The one who is uh, born of God uh, loves God, loves people, observes the commandments, right? The one who is born of God overcomes the world, and the one who is born of God embraces Yeshua. So the flip side of faith is faithfulness. You cannot have one without the other, right? Uh, Not according to the scriptures. Faith and faithfulness are, uh, you could almost say, one in the same, uh faithfulness is not the same thing as just doing what it says, right? Uh lots of people do what the Bible says. A lot of people do. But faithfulness is following the Lord, having the ruach empowering us, and the commandments are not burdensome and we love God and we follow him, and not only that, but we are we are specifically the content of our faith. Specifically has Yeshua front and center as the Messiah, not an add-on, uh, not back burner, not uh, everything is that it has always been. But now we just add in Yeshua. No, uh, Yeshua uh, needs to be the focal point of our faith, and that is what it means to be born from above, and that's what it means to be right with God. That's that is what he's saying. That's what it means to overcome. Uh, the world life in messiah because yeshua is the only one who has taken away our sins and it has risen from the dead and so when we embrace him there is a spiritual transaction that takes place and it is, it is as if we have been raised from the dead with a new life a new world view a new outlook and new power in our lives to live out the old commandments. Uh, And uh, and so uh, that is what he's going to say now, beginning in verse 6 to verse 12. We talked at the end of, uh, two weeks ago, we talked about verse 6 at the end of our message. Now we want to really focus on this, this issue of the focal point of our faith, okay? He who, uh, and who is the one who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Yeshua is the Son of God, that Yeshua is the King of Israel, that Yeshua is the uh, incarnate, uh, in the flesh, um, uh, manifestation of, uh, of God. That uh, he, uh, he is, the, as we like to say, the incarnate, Uh, a son of God. Okay? Uh, There's no getting around that. So then he says here in verse 6, this is the one who came by water and blood, Yeshua HaMashiach, Yeshua the Messiah, not with water only, but with water and the blood. And it is the Spirit who bears witness because the Spirit is the truth. And there are three that bear witness. The spirit and the water and the blood and the three are in agreement. Okay, so that's, uh, you know, some uh, strange words right there, right? The one who came by water and blood. And people uh, say varieties of, of, of uh, have varieties of explanations about this. But from all that I have uh, studied and read, I think the best explanation of this is that it's talking about his life and his death. Uh, water and blood, water representing either his physical birth or his immersion. And blood, of course, his death. Like when we talk about being saved by the blood of Yeshua uh, in the first century, his blood was a euphemism for talking about his, uh, his death. So when we read about the water and the blood, perhaps uh, it is uh, uh, speaking about uh, uh, his, his life. So that would make the water and blood uh, what, uh, what we call a merism, right? Where it's like, uh, uh, you know, ev- everything in between. His life and his death and everything in between. His very life. Remember, at the very beginning of uh, 1 John, at the very beginning, we read these verses. Who was from, What was from the beginning? What we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we beheld with our hands, handled concerning the word of life. And the life was manifested. And we have seen and bear witness and proclaim to you the eternal life uh, uh, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. What we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you. Also, that you also may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Yeshua the Messiah. Okay, so... Right at the beginning, he says it over and over again. Well, who we've seen, heard, manifested, touched. He was real. That is a very important part of this letter. That Yeshua was not a spirit. It wasn't like he was uh, simply a man and God indwelled him in, in a unique way uh, after he was born and then left him before he died. That is a belief that John was fighting here. It was very important for his hearers to understand that Yeshua was a real person. A real person. And as he's closing the letter, he's making this quite clear. Okay, so when we read here, the one who came by water and blood, Yeshua HaMashiach, not with water only. In other words, this is very important. When he says not with water only, he means... That when Yeshua died, he was still uh, the incarnation of God. It's not like the presence of God left him when he died. So that's why he says, not with water only, but with water and with the blood. And then he says, and it is the Spirit who bears witness, because the Spirit is the truth. Now, when he says the Spirit, he means the Ruach, uh, the Holy Spirit, the Ruach uh, HaKodesh. And... Uh, We know from other places, for example, in the 8th chapter of the book of Romans, where we read that the Spirit agrees with my spirit, that Yeshua is the Son of God. Uh, And we know from the Gospel of John, uh, the same John who wrote uh, these words, that what does the Spirit do? Convicts us, draws us to himself, right? And so, you have the life of Yeshua... That we, that we read about, and then the presence of the Ruach in our, in our, within us, convicting us of this truth. And so then he says, the three bear witness. And, and that's kind of a play on words, going back to Deuteronomy, in that uh, uh, a, a, a testimony, if, if we were going to receive testimony, two or three witnesses were necessary for testi- for testimony and eyewitness account to to stand up, and so that's what he says. Uh, that's what he says here: the birth of Yeshua, the death of Yeshua, and we could say then the resurrection and the ascension, because that it is by that means that the ruach haKodesh is poured out that we know uh, uh, that Yeshua is indeed the Messiah. He who is uh, he who has borne witness concerning his son uh, and uh, and so he's he's says it that way to really drill down on this fact that if we are born from above we embrace uh, Yeshua who he really was uh, and uh, has lived in this world and that he really died for our sins he really rose from the dead he really ascended to the right hand of the father and the Ruach HaKodesh is, is poured out. And, you know, I don't know about you, but I uh, when I, I received Yeshua into my life, I, I really did not know a whole lot. I don't know about you. Maybe maybe you did. I, I don't know. I did not know a whole lot. I just knew what I read in the Bible, and I knew what people said to me about, about who he was. But when I uh, I was laying in bed, and I just became convicted of this, and and believed, I, you know, prayed, repented, and embraced Yeshua. What I knew is that I believed it. I didn't know, I could not answer the question exactly how I understood it, but I knew that it was true. But I knew it was true. And I, it took a while. I remember I went back to school, and, and, I, and I remember having a conversation with someone trying to articulate it. That was very difficult at, at the beginning to really articulate it, to explain it. But I knew it was true. How did I know it was true? I, you know, inside of me, I knew it was true. There was a conviction, an inner conviction. That is the presence of God. That is the ruach hakodesh. I uh, believing in the the life of Yeshua, the death of Yeshua, his resurrection. Even though I didn't understand all the ramifications of that, and because of the, the presence of the Spirit of God in my life, one of the ways that we know that uh, that we know that we know is this unexplainable belief. I I know I believe this. Uh, even if I can't explain it, even if I get frustrated, uh, even if even if I get disappointed, you know, in things that take place in my life, I keep coming back for more. You know, that is an inner conviction that we might not be able to articulate. But it's like an umbilical cord. It's like the astronauts going out of the ship, you know? And there's that cord that ties them in. They, they can only go so far, but they come back. See? What does John say here? That those who leave and don't come back? Now, I don't mean leave a congregation. I mean, leave the faith. I'm not talking about any, any congregation or anything like that, but just leave the faith. Really, just recant completely, and that's the end of it, right? Okay, so now we see that we're not of us. But, and you know what? You don't know that until somebody dies, right? I suppose, right? So who, who are we to judge anybody? But uh, when, but we know in our own lives, right, that like if we, um, if we fall to a temptation, if, or if we, we just start going the wrong way, and that eventually there's this conviction that comes upon us. And we like get reeled back in, guilt and all, right? Or pity, self-pity and all, or whatever it is. That is the Spirit of God pulling us back in. That there is an assurance of knowing the Lord in that. You know what another one is? Having an interest in the Bible. Like reading the Bible as if it is relevant to your life, not just as an academic exercise or some kind of religious thing, but like it's relevant to your life. That's supernatural. That comes from God, right? As we learned a couple of weeks ago in our observational Bible study, that that uh, the word is God-breathed, God is speaking to us in this word, uh, and there's a spiritual transaction that's taking place, and it transforms our lives. It's not like reading Shakespeare or the newspaper or any other good book, Okay. Uh, and uh, and so the fact that uh, you read the Bible in that way—that is another great um, uh, um, assurance that wow, God is at work in uh, in my life. But the primary one here is to know that Yeshua is really the Messiah. You talk about countercultural—the fact that we believe. That uh, Yeshua is the Messiah, that he he was born of a virgin, uh, and that he was the uh, very image uh, of God, the very uh, being of uh, God in the flesh, uh, and that his death was not just a uh, human tragedy, but that actually he took our sins upon himself, uh, and then he overcame sin and death and rose from the dead, uh, and then he ascended. Uh, you know, disappeared, right? And then 10 days later, there is this great event that is kind of like replicating Sinai in a way, the Spirit of God being poured out. You know, most people think that is what we would say in Yiddish, a bubba miser, right? Uh, An old wives' tale. But uh, we are convicted by the Spirit of God uh, and the testimony of the Word and uh, other reliable witnesses uh, that this is indeed true. Uh, by the way, I don't know I don't know if Eric's here or not, but that is uh, the value of apologetics., uh, you know, uh, um, to be able to say, I know I have this conviction, but here,, um, as uh, Luke says, here are uh, many uh, proofs. Um, what is that little phrase that he says? Many and many, Many infallible proofs? many. Well, anyway, it's all right. It's in the beginning of the Gospel of Luke. But uh, that's okay. Uh, but what, what John is saying here uh, is that uh, the belief in Yeshua being the Son of God, that is the key to, indeed, the whole, the whole thing. All right? Now, he, he says it, boy, you know, in verse 10, this is really very convicting. He says... The one who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. The one who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the witness that God has borne concerning his Son. And the witness is this, that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. So he says this. Notice here, uh, you'd have to read it again uh, on your own slowly, but he uses the word testimony and witness over and over again. Those words, testimony and witness. In these short verses, he uses them over and over again. Again, notice he says uh, in um, verse 7, it is the spirit who bears witness. Uh, And then in verse 8, For there are three that bear witness. And then he says in verse 9, If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For the witness of God is this, that he he has borne witness concerning his Son. Uh, The one who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. In some translations, perhaps the word is testimony. The one who does not believe uh, God has made him a, a, a liar. Uh, uh, because he has not believed in the witness that God has borne concerning his Son. And then he says, the witness is this, that God has given us life uh, in the Son. The, the ultimate testimony is our life in Messiah. Uh, and, uh, and to deny that is to deny God, is to call God a liar. Now back in chapter 2, he says, if we say we have no sin we make God a liar. In other words, if we don't believe in the reality of God, the reality of his word, uh, we make uh, him a liar. uh, Because he's real whether whether we testify of him or not. And so if we deny him, we're then saying that he is not real. And and therefore what he has said is not true. Now, you know, as a, a Jewish person, there is a real tendency to, uh, inst- whether we realize it or not, to institutionalize God and Yeshua. And uh, to say that, well, uh, you know, not everybody believes in Yeshua. We believe in God, uh, uh, but not Yeshua. And there's, uh, that, that becomes a challenge for us because, they, because we might say, well, what about... Uh, the uh, you know the real pious uh, uh, Orthodox Jewish community you know I the fact of the matter is is that Yeshua is not uh, is not a an invention or a uh, theological belief that began with Christians you know what I'm saying I uh, that's why sometimes people would say says, says to us as Jewish people So when do you convert, right? The assumption there is, is that Yeshua is a a theological point on a Christian doctrinal statement, okay? Uh, But we need to have the understanding as a Jewish believer of another generation by the name of David Barron once wrote, he lived in the 1800s, he said, he believes in Yeshua not in spite of being Jewish, but because he's Jewish. That is a very important way for us to frame believing in in Yeshua because he's Jewish. In other words, did you have you ever noticed that uh, when uh, Yeshua is uh, confronting the uh, the uh, scribes and the Pharisees, mostly the scribes and the Pharisees, he says, for example, in uh, John uh, chapter five, at the end of the chapter, he says this. In verse 43, I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another shall come in his own name, you will receive him. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another, and you do not seek the glory that is from the one and only God? Do not think that I will accuse you before the Father, The one who accuses you is Moses, in whom you have set your hope. For if you believed Moses... You would believe me, for he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? So Yeshua claims Moses and the one and only God. He's not coming in his own name, not just a uh, you know uh, a teacher uh, uh, coming and talking about God. And this is important. If you've ever read any uh, anything of the Talmud or the Mishnah, I should say that, the Mishnah, there is a tractate called Pirkei Avot. Okay, maybe you've heard of it. It's sort of like the rabbinic book of Proverbs in a way. But, uh, and I don't have it in front of me, but in in the very, very beginning of it, the way it begins, it talks about a, a series of famous Jewish leaders. And it says, this one came in the name of this one, and this one came in the name of that one, and this one came in the name of that one, and this one came in the name of that one. Uh, and, and that was the way that uh, teachers would often uh, begin their teachings. This rabbi came in the name of another rabbi uh, with his authority. Another rabbi came in the name of another rabbi. What is Yeshua saying? I've come in the name of my father. Like the buck stops here. You know, You will receive one who comes in another's name but you won't receive me, you see? So he is saying that you believe in Hashem, or yud Vavhe. vav he, if you really believe in him, you will believe in me. You will believe in me. Now, we might say the audacity of Yeshua to, uh, to say something like this. Well, he doesn't stop there, okay? Uh, in, uh, in, another, in the 8th chapter... Uh, in the fifty-sixth verse, he says, "This your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad." The Jews therefore said to him, "You are not fifty years old, and you have seen Abraham." I, I, uh, Yeshua said to them, "Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am." And then they realized what he was saying, and they began to throw things. Uh, they began to throw things at him. Uh, I, and so, a very important. If you go back, actually, earlier in John chapter 8, uh, he says this also regarding uh, Abraham, okay? Uh, you know, uh, they like to say, we're Abraham's offspring, right? We're Abraham's children. Who are you? What, how can you? How dare you accuse us of anything? We're Abraham's offspring, okay? They answer, this is in verse 33. They answered him, We are Abraham's offspring, and have never yet been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you shall become free? Yeshua answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits a sin is a slave to sin, and the slave does not remain in the house forever, but the son does remain forever. If therefore the son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's offspring, yet you seek to kill me, because my word has no place in you. I speak the things which I have seen... With my father. Therefore, you also do the things which you have heard from your father. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Yeshua said to him, If you are Abraham's children, do the deeds of Abraham. But as it is, you are seeking to kill me. A man who has been told, who has told you the truth, which I heard uh, uh, from God, this Abraham did not do. He identifies uh, he identifies seeking to kill him with being disobedient and not doing the deeds of Abraham, and so this is very important. Yeshua invokes the name of of Abraham and Moses and identifies uh, and identifies with them. But this is not the first time that uh, our ancestors uh, did not uh, trust. Uh, the word of God, just read the history of the prophets, right? Uh, You read, for example, uh, in a place like 1 Kings 19.10. This is a famous passage because it's quoted in the New Covenant. In uh, 1 Kings 19.10, after Elijah does this fantastic miracle, you would think everybody is flocking to him, Right? But what happens is, he gets depressed after this great moment. There's this huge letdown. Boy, this this is great for a leadership meeting. Uh, A great moment, and you think, now everybody's going to be all excited about God. Next thing you know, it's over, and people are still trying to kill him, okay? So uh, it says in verse 9, "...then he came there to a cave and lodged there." And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and he said, and he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the sons of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, torn down thine altars and killed thy prophets with the sword. And I alone am left Uh, and they seek my life uh, to uh, to take it. Well, he's going to tell him that there are others who believe, not a lot, but there are others, there's a remnant uh, who believes, but this epitomizes the state of affairs, of not believing Moses, of not believing Abraham. Uh, that is why uh, our people went into captivity. Uh, in fact, if you turn to Second Chronicles chapter 36, now there's a passage I'm sure you read all the time, right? Second Chronicles 36, in verses 15 and 16. Perhaps Yeshua was alluding to this in the Sermon on the Mount, where we read about why, here in Second Chronicles, about why there was a Babylonian captivity. It says this, uh, beginning in verse uh, 14. Furthermore, all the officials of the priests and the people were very unfaithful, following all the abominations of the nations. And they defiled the house of the Lord, which he had sanctified in Jerusalem. And the Lord, the God of their fathers, sent word to them again and again by his messengers. Isn't that a great little phrase there? He sent word to them again and again by his messengers because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. But they continually mocked the messengers of God, despised his words, and scoffed at his prophets until the wrath of the Lord arose against the people, until there was no remedy. And then you read at the beginning of the next verse, therefore he brought up against them the king of the Chaldeans, who slew their young men by the sword. God had compassion on them. He sent his messengers, the prophets, again and again, because he wanted them to believe, but they would not. And the heart of God was broken, and there was no remedy immediate hope. But you see, God, who is faithful to his promise, sent finally the Son. You know the parable? There's a parable that speaks of this. Workers in the vineyard, and they kill the workers in the vineyard, and then the owner of the vineyard sends in his son, and they kill him too, right? And so when Yeshua came, he is the messenger. He is the very incarnation of God. He is the King of Israel. He is the servant of the Lord. He is uh, the Messiah. And so that's why we read, first we read in uh, the Gospel of Luke, in uh, chapter 1, when uh, the angel says to Miriam, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, in verse 31. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Yeshua. And he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will have, uh, will have uh, no end. Uh, and then when you read uh, in uh, Matthew chapter 5, in verse 12... 11 and 12, blessed are you when men cast insults at you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely on account of me. Rejoice and be glad for your reward in heaven is great. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is nothing new. See? Then uh, for the sake of time, let's just go to Romans, the book of Romans. Uh, and I we'll want to look at a couple of places. First is the very beginning of the book. The very beginning of Romans. I don't know if you ever noticed this, if you ever paid attention to the very beginning of the book. It's a real key to unlocking the whole thing. Paul, a bondservant of Messiah Yeshua, called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. Now, you ready? Here we are. Which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. That's like, you know, the Old Testament. Okay. Uh, Concerning his son who was born of a descendant of David according to the flesh, who was declared the Son of God with power by the resurrection of the dead. King, the Son of God. He was the king, but it's like he's coronation here. See? Okay? Uh, According to the Spirit. Notice it says declared, not he became. Very important. Very, very important. Okay? With power by the resurrection from the dead, according to the Spirit of Holiness, Yeshua the Messiah, our Lord. Okay, then whom? Through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among the Gentiles for his name's sake. Uh, and then he goes on and it's you know it's like one sentence of fifteen chapters or sixteen chapters. Okay. But the point being is that Paul understands Yeshua as the one promised. Not some newfangled faith, he's not making Yeshua into a god. Haven't we heard that? Right? I'll never forget there used to be a book, and it's probably maybe it's still in print. It was we used to refer to it as an anti-missionary book, right? Uh and it was uh it was like uh cherry red. This book was uh, bright red and it had a real shiny cover, right? And the words were in white, really, but like um in uh, uh, bold. And and the name of the book was, you take Jesus, we'll take God. Right? That was the name of the book. All right? Uh, And that is making God a liar. Because you see, that is disrespecting who Yeshua is. That is saying, no, no, God is not true on this. Now, they would, they would disagree, certainly, on the nature of God and, and all of that. But it is very clear from the word of God that Yeshua is indeed the promised, uh, the promised uh, Messiah. Okay, And uh, in chapter 11 of Romans, on your own, you might want to read the second chapter of Acts, as well as uh, Paul's defense in chapter 24, 25, and 26, where he articulates beautifully that Yeshua is the Messiah of Israel. And that's why he believes it. He believes it because he's Jewish. <laughs> Isn't that a riot? Uh, you know, okay. Anyway, so in Romans 11, I, uh, what we have here is Paul is lamenting the fact that our people have heard and they don't believe. And then he says, I say then God has not rejected his people as he, You know, don't you just wish a lot of people who preach every Sunday from the pulpit would just answer that question in the right way, okay? I say then, God has not rejected his people, has he? May it never be for I too am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. Or do you not know what the scripture says in a passage about Elijah? Just what we read in in Kings. How he pleads with God against Israel. Lord, they have killed thy prophets. They have torn down thine altars. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life. What is the divine response to him? I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. Now, look what he says in verse 5. In the same way. The more things change, the more they stay the same. In the same way. The rejection of our people, of Messiah Yeshua is a symptom of the greater disease of idolatry and unbelief. In the same way, just like they hated Jeremiah, just like they hated Ezekiel, just like they did not believe all the prophets that were telling them to repent, so in the same way, Yeshua is rejected. This should not be a surprise to us. We are part of the remnant, part of those people who believed Moses who believed in uh, what the prophets had to say. And by the way, suffered along with the rest of the people in going into captivity. Just because they believed, they, did not, they, did not, uh, they were not exempt from the suffering of the Jewish people. Very important. So he says, in the same way, there has also come to be at the present time a remnant according to God's gracious choice. And, and so, when you come back to uh, 1 John... Where we began, how important it is to recognize that Yeshua is a real person, that that he really is the Son of God, that he really that we do have this witness, and that we are overcomers when we embrace that witness of Yeshua and the life that we have, uh, and the life that we have in in Him, and uh, uh, you know finally. Let me just uh, share with you uh, uh, a couple of sentences of a conversation I had with someone this week about why it's so important to believe that Yeshua was a real person. You know, I don't know about you. If you have children, you can relate to this. But I hope that you can't relate to this perfectly. You know, can you imagine if you have a child and your child is desperately sick, desperately sick, and you're in the hospital? What does a parent think to themselves when your child is desperately sick in the hospital? What is the one thing you wish, obviously you wish that they would get better, but what is oftentimes what we would say to God? Let me have the disease, right? Let it be me. I'll do anything, right? Please let it be me and not my child. But you know what? We cannot do that. We can't do that. But you see, God did that. We are a desperately sick humanity. And God sent Yeshua to take our place in judgment. He could do it. He could, in the person of Yeshua, enter this world and take our place so that we don't have to suffer and die that death. Forever. And so that is why Yeshua had to be a real person, so that he could fulfill, yes, the promise of who the Messiah is and a king of Israel, but so that he could indeed die for our sins and he could be raised from the dead, so that we could be raised from the dead, so that we could be healed of our uh, uh, sin sickness. And isn't that exactly what we read? In Isaiah chapter 53, right? Where, uh, where we read, He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But we didn't understand it. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourging, we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. And so the testimony that we have, the witness that we have from God, is indeed this new life. Uh, that we have uh, that we have in him and the witness is this that God has given us life forever and this life is in his son he who has the son has the life he who does not have the son of God does not have the life remember what Moses said choose life cling to God believing in Yeshua is obeying Moses Believing in Yeshua is having the faith of Abraham. Believing in Yeshua is what the God of Israel called us to do, and to and has called us to be a witness of to this world. Let's pray. Lord God, I pray God that as Messiah followers, we we would not um, fall to the temptation of believing that Yeshua is really is really. Uh, not for the Jewish people, but we put up with it anyway. Lord, I pray, God, that we might realize that Yeshua is indeed yud vav Hey, identified with, uh, 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 with You, Lord. And I pray that we would know that and that we would see our people the way Yeshua did, how He cried over Jerusalem and, and said how He wanted them to get. He wanted to gather them together the way a hen gathers her chicks how yeshua loves jerusalem how yeshua loves israel loves our people but we were not willing lord i pray that we would that that our prayer would be that our people would not be rebellious and as good and wonderful as they are and and as religious as they are and and having done so many wonderful things and even with the text and the torah and and in in the, in this world and made so many advances in this world and how and how much we love our people, Lord, our people are in rebellion to you and Lord, I pray God uh, that we would be able to communicate that Yeshua is indeed the Messiah of Israel. and just as uh, Yeshua articulated and Paul articulated, so may we be able to do that uh, as well and Lord, I pray that we would be able to have that testimony, the testimony of life in the Son, the testimony of being an overcomer, the testimony of, of breaking through the alienation to ourselves, alienation to others, and alienation to this, to this world, that we might be able to break through the, the, the cultural prison, Lord, that keeps people from being satisfied uh, in this life and in, in you. Lord, may people be able to see that witness in us and be able to see that, yes, we believe Yeshua is our Messiah. May we be able to demonstrate Israel's future today. Lord, we thank you for this word from John. Lord, life is indeed in the Son. And we thank you, Lord, for his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, and the pouring out of the Ruach HaKodesh. Thank you for that conviction and the empowering life we have in Messiah. We pray in Yeshua's name, amen.